Have you ever wondered why there are so many biographical stories in the Bible? Apostle Paul says, Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. So God gave us these examples from people's lives to enable us to know how to live. We can learn from our own experiences, and that's good, but it's even better to learn from other people's experiences, especially when they've messed up. So we don't have to go through the painful experiences that they went through. And there are many examples of people who messed up badly in the scriptures. It's quite incredible when I read uh, the account of these men and women, how sinful they were and, and, and how I can relate to them. Because we're all sinners, we all mess up. And um, God teaches us lessons. So we can learn from their, their um, deficits. We can be warned. And we can also be encouraged. I don't know if you were there on New Year's Day when um, Mark Kukumur preached on um, Jonah and his disobedience. Were any of you there at SBC? Nobody was there? Well, um, come next, next New Year's Day. And you'll be, you'll be blessed. Do you, have a, do you have a meeting here on New Year's Day? No. Well, that, that's it, yeah. That's, that's the day. All right, so you don't have a separate meeting here. Was it a Sunday? Or was, it, was it a Sunday? So you met that, that Sunday. Okay. Today I want us to uh, focus on Jabez and on his obedience to God and on his faith uh, towards God. And... Um, I'd like you to turn to 1 Corinthians, uh, Corinthians, 1 Chronicles, first book of Chronicles. Um, Corinthians is in the New Testament. Chronicles is in the Old Testament, chapter 4 and verses 9 and 10. And the title of my message today is Jabez's Life-Changing Prayer. Jabez's Life-Changing Prayer. Never preached from Jabez before. Always avoided it. And um, in the holidays, I felt God uh, prompt me to preach in this way for SBC. And I wasn't down to preach this week, so you're getting it as well. How about that? Jabez was more honorable, verse 9, than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me. And keep me from harm, so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. The first nine chap uh, chapters of this book consists of genealogies of more than 600 names. And God picks out just one person from 600 names. And he highlights this one man, Jabez, two verses in the whole of Scripture. Now, why would God ignore all the others, and why would he just focus in on this one man and um, give him honor in this passage of Scripture. Well, we need to take a closer look at his circumstances in order to understand more about the situation. His mother seemed to have uh, almost died in childbirth and uh, no doubt went through a very hard and difficult time of labor and uh, and hence she calls him Jabez, and the Hebrew word for Jabez is pain. How about that? 
How about being called pain? Man, uh, that is awful. Um, I, I, know that, I know that some of your parents would like to have called your, your, your te rebellious teenagers pain at times. And I think some of my rebellious teenagers would have called, like to have called me pain at, at times as well. But not, not a very nice name to be called. Imagine being called Jabez and your friends see you. Just, just put yourself in his position for a moment. And his friends see him and say, hey, Jabez, hey, pain. Come here, pain. Oh, you're such a pain. You can imagine the cruel jokes, the bullying, the isolation. You can imagine uh, being picked on because this man had such an unusual name, such a fraught name. Let's just call it what it is. It's a terrible name. Um, not a very good place to be. Names were very significant in these days. Like the name that was given to a man called Jacob, who, who is deceiver. That's what the w w name means, deceiver. But God changed this man, Jacob. He changed his character and he changed his name. How about that? He called him Israel. Prince with God. Has God changed our name? Maybe we've still got the same name, but has he changed our character? And is he still changing our character? Maybe there are some of us today who are here and you've had a painful experience in childhood or in your teenage years. And God is here to heal you. God is here to set you free. He doesn't want you to live in that pain forever and ever. My mother was, was orphaned at, 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 at a young age. Her mother actually died giving birth to her. Her father was killed by, by lightning a few months after that. And she grew up in pain. I know the pain. I can still feel her pain. And this man experienced this pain. God is here to relieve us of, of that pain. And if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ and your life is in turmoil and in pain, the Prince of Peace is here today. He's here to set you free. He's here to give you a new life. He did that for me, a rebellious teenager who didn't believe in God. Changed the direction of my life. And he can change the direction of your life as well. Jabez didn't want to stay in that place of pain, of isolation, of rejection, of maybe poverty because of the isolation. And he pleads with God to change the situation. We see, first of all, that he had faith to approach God. Jab and verse 10, Jabez cries out to God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I might be free from pain. Jabez obviously had a deep, ongoing, intimate relationship with Almighty God because he was called more honorable than his brothers. And it was out of that deep relationship with God that he has courage and conviction and faith to come to God, to approach God, and to pray this, this, this prayer. I know of so many Christians over the, my 50 years of Christian experience who do not have an intimate, close relationship with God, and then they run to God when, when they're in crisis, and then they wonder why God doesn't answer their prayers. And then they blame God, and then they call Him all sorts of names, and they say prayer doesn't work and God doesn't work. Why should we believe that God wants to answer our prayers and bless us? 
when we, our hearts are cold and indifferent indefinitely towards God. We need to have that strong, deep relationship with our Heavenly Father. Imagine if our children had a relationship with us once a month. How would you like it if your children spoke to you on a once a month basis? Or you spoke to them on a once a month basis. They wouldn't like that as well. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6b says, God rewards those who earnestly seek Him. He rewards them. Do we earnestly seek Him? Not just in the time of crisis. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6 says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Those amazing words. He will reward you. And His presence is our greatest reward, isn't it? That will be our greatest reward in glory. The presence of God. The presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. Never mind the crowns and all the other, the other things. Let's look to our great reward, who is Jesus Christ. He rewards us as we, as we earnestly seek Him. He's a rewarder. And then... He not only had faith to approach God, but he had faith to ask a big prayer. Jabez wasn't asking God to heal a headache or an ingrown toenail. No, he was asking for a big prayer. He was asking God to change the direction of his life. Please, God, I'm in pain. Change the direction of my life. Some scholars think that he had some kind of deformity or disability and that his mother disowned him and, and therefore in her pain in childbirth and with a deformity that he, she calls him Jabez, pain. Man, who on earth would call their child pain? Which mother would, would, would call their child pain? Would you? I'm sure not. And so because of his name, because he's ostracized, He's probably isolated and he's probably miserably um, in, in, in poverty. And he, hence he, he calls on God to enlarge his territory. You know the Hindu caste system and how they have these four major categories. And uh, it came into existence like a thousand years before, before Christ. And it's only now starting to go out, but it's, it's still in effect in, in some parts of, of, of India, and there, there are thousands of sub-costs, and if you're in the lower costs, well, there's, there's no escape. That's it. If, if, you, if you're in the, the bottom half, that's it. You can never aspire to anything better or greater in life. You, you can't have dreams or visions of anything good in, in life. If you're born into the poorest slave kind of caste, there's no escape. How totally different Christianity is from this. We're all equal before God. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. It's all level at the cross when we come to Him. The great liberators down the years have been Christians. They've been liberators, social justice fighters. Jesus was too. If Christ shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. There's absolute freedom in Him. We lived at one time in the apartheid system, and it was a system where one group of people put another group of people down. That's horrific. That's not what God intended. 
Those people had not a chance to come up and to do something meaningful in life. And you know, if you're not in Christ, you're not in his kingdom, if you're not a Christ follower, you're in a worse position than in a caste system, a worse position than, than in the apartheid system. Because you've got a cruel master, and his name is Satan. And he's going to banish you for eternity from God's presence, and there'll be suffering like nothing else. And you need to come out of his kingdom. You need to come into the kingdom of light and life, of joy and of peace. That's what Jesus offers us today. At first glance, it seems like Jabez was praying a very selfish, self-centered prayer because he's in fact asking God to enlarge his territory. He's asking God to give him more real estate. And um, prosperity preachers have jumped on, on this, and it's probably why I've never looked at this passage and preached on this passage before, and the prosperity preachers say that we can all be healthy and wealthy, you know. <laughs> if, if, if that was true, you know, everybody would, would become Christians. If we all had our private jets and we all had our mansions and, you know, and, and we all, you know, never got sick. And, you know, if, if, if that is true, then that would have been. But it's not. But God, nevertheless answers his prayer, Jabez's prayer. And why does he answer? His, verse 10 says, and God granted his request. Well, he saw into his heart, didn't he? Right? He saw his heart. And the book of James says, we, we don't get because we ask selfish, self-centered prayers. Obviously, they were doing that at that time. God doesn't answer those selfish Self-centered prayers. Oh, God, you know, give me a private jet. <laughs> I, 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 I met with a friend just recently in Cape Town. He was in our Baptist church in Queenstown, a little older than me. He had a private jet and he had a helicopter. He was a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. And then he walked away from God for 10 years and God just brought him down. He's starting from scratch at 73, 74. And he said, oh, God is is so precious to me now. So precious to me now. I thought I was big, big cheese. It's not what it's all about. It's not prosperity here. Nevertheless, God is teaching us here that He's not adverse to us praying big prayers. And He's not adverse to us and to answering our big prayers. We prayed some big prayers when we were church planting. And God answered those big prayers. It was absolutely incredible. We prayed for land, and God gave us land. We prayed for God to provide for our building project, and he, and he did. It, it was miraculous. It was nothing short of Jabez's big prayer. Because we were a young congregation, we were a new congregation, we were very few in our congregation at the time. In fact, in Durban North, there was no land. And we'd moved three times. We got kicked out. They got greedy and they got somebody else to come and offer them, I don't know, how many times more than they, that, that, that they were charging us. We were at our last place of call. There was nowhere else to go. And we were saying, God, please give us land. You've given us this vision to, to build. 
please give us this land. There was no land, but the congregation said, we'll, we'll persist. We'll carry on. We're praying a Jabez prayer as a congregation. And out of the blue, I heard, oh, this fellow wants to sell his, his land. Ecclesiastical land is very few and far between. It's, it's earmarked for church buildings, you know. So there was nothing. And, and they were meeting in a school hall. They bought this land, but they wanted to build a, a school and, and a church. And um, so we went to them, and, and, and they said, oh, no, there, there are three other groups that are, are buying. You know, what hope do you think you have? So I said, well, you know, just put our name down. <laughs> Thinking, Lord. And guess what? A couple of months later, he comes to me and he says, were you guys serious about the land? Buying the land? I said, oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, we were 28 in our congregation. <laughs> he said, okay, put a deposit down then. Um, speak to your elders and put a deposit down. We want the deposit in, what was that, a month or two. We were the wealthiest in our congregation. Come on. <laughs> God enabled us to do that. We bought the land. We built. We built the first section for cash. Miraculous. God, God is a great God. He owns the cattle on the thousand hills, the wealth in every mine. mine. William Carey, that great pioneer missionary, said, Attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. That's what he did in his, in his missionary work. He attempted great things for God and expected great things from God. Too often, I've found that Christians pray these little prayers and they come and they say, no, I can't pray that, you know. It's too big a prayer. No, he's a big God. He's big enough to hear our big prayer requests. Is that my heart? I'm not sure what's... Going, going funny over here. Are we attempting anything for God? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. Maybe, you know, we're not even trying to attempt anything for God. We better stand this side. Are we involved? A lot of people say, oh, I serve God in my own little way, which is code for I don't do anything. Are we serving God even if it's in a little way? And if every Christian across the globe, in every church, serve God in their little way, in, just in their little way, it would be absolutely amazing. The church of God would flourish that we need to serve God. We need to attempt to serve God. And we need to attempt big things sometimes as well as churches. And so we need to be praying, God, enlarge the territory of my effectiveness as an individual. Will we dare to pray that? That God would use us more extensively in this year than in last year or ever, ever before? 2 Timothy 1.16 says that we are to fan into flame the gift of God which is in us. We are to fan it into flame. Have you seen a, a fire and you've run out of fast lighters and you, you can't get this thing going and it's, it's smoking and then you get a... Um, you know, whatchamacallit, uh, and, you, and you wave that whatchamacallit. Are you there? And bang, it comes, it, the flame comes up, eh? The flame comes up. Fan it into flame. 
Get involved. Put up your hands. Just recently, people have been putting up their hands at SBC to, to get involved. And that's wonderful. And God's going to use them richly. It'll be a wonderful thing when you put up your hand and say to your elders, I want to be involved. Please help me, guide me, direct me. I believe that God is calling us as a church at SBC and you as a church to pray this Jabez prayer. And we need to pray, oh, that you would bless us, God, and enlarge our territory. Are you getting excited? I hope so. I hope that something's stirring in your heart. And you're saying, oh, no, God will never, never use me. God will never use us. Rubbish. Nonsense. God's growing his church. I am building my church, he said. I prayed that prayer just now. Quote from, from Jesus. I'm building my church. I'm building my kingdom. And we need to build with him. We need to partner with him. There's nothing as exciting as partnering with him. English Standard Version says, Enlarge our borders, Lord. Enlarge our borders. What are we praying? We're praying for God to... What was he praying, first of all? He was praying for God to heal him so that he could go forwards. We've been through a diff difficult season where there's been some pain, and maybe we need to be praying that prayer first, God heal us, so that we would be able to go forwards, that we would be able to make ground and break new territory. We're also praying that we will have a greater impact on society, right? The world out there is in trouble, and we have the answer. If we had God's bird's eye view of every detail that is going on in the world, we would be totally shocked. Especially the downward spiral of human, the human species. It's degenerating and it's affecting our own country. It's affecting our own city. We're in trouble. We're in trouble. It's not just, you know, sections of our community or sections of our world that are in trouble. We should be shocked enough and motivated enough to say, God, come. Come and enlarge our territory, our, our impact upon our city, upon our neighbors, upon the people that we work with. We need to be agents of change. We don't need to encourage new churches or church plants to, to pray large prayers like this. God, may your kingdom come. Because we're praying in line with what God what Jesus said, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth. May your kingdom come in our hearts. May your kingdom come in our city. That's what God wants us to be praying and to be living out on, on a daily basis. Andy Stanley, I think some of you know him, you know some of his books, heard some of his preaching, no doubt. He has a unique way of, of uh, assessing how successful a Sunday meeting has been. And they don't um, judge it on the amount of people there were and how, how good the worship was and the income and the Sunday school. Their criteria is how many first-time visitors came and how many came back over and over again. Why do they do this? Why do they do this? Because for them, it's a judge of how much of an impact the church is having in their society. That's, that's it. Are we light? Are we salt in, 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 the, in the community so that they're looking at us and saying, what's with you? I'm, I better come and have a look at this church. What's going on there? You know, you're so different from, from, from the rest of the world. 
They started as a little church, but now they're a mega church. They're, they're, not, they're not looking to grow big. They are big. They're not looking for numbers. They're looking to change lives in society. And people are desperately in need of change. They're crying out. They're looking in the wrong direction. We've got the answer. We have to pray a prayer like this. Then lastly, Jabez believed that God would answer. It was Jabez' simple prayer and his great faith that got him this honorable mention in the Bible. Isn't that amazing? Hopefully one day there will be some of us and, and, and Jesus will say, Wow, your great prayer, your, your faithfulness, your belief, your trust in God that God would move, you know, has, has been seen. I, I actually, I actually um, read this portion of Scripture this, this morning. And I'd like to read to you what I've written down in my notes for last week. And let me, let me look at these with you first. In the New Testament, it talks about prayer. And it, it, James chapter 4 and verse 2, it says, You do not have, but because you do not ask. We do not have because we do not ask. 1 Peter 3, 12, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are attentive to their prayers. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, The prayer of the righteous man is powerful and effective. Isn't that, isn't that powerful? We're righteous in Christ. We don't have a righteousness of our own, and our prayers are heard by God. And He acts upon those prayers. I read this morning in my quiet time, and this confirmed this preach this morning. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything that we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him when we please god and have the heart of god we'll pray the prayers of god and they'll be wonderfully big prayers and god will move upon our lives that's 1 john 3 verse 21 if you want to look it up do you believe that god can take you out of your pain you know, there's some situations that God doesn't want to take us out of immediately. And I've, I've had a lot of people saying, I want to leave this marriage, it's too painful. There are no grounds to do that. Sorry, there are no grounds to do that. Maybe God wants you just to get out and be a witness in that situation. But there are situations that we have, have cause to say, God, I, I can pray this Jabez prayer. And I know that you'll take me out of this painful situation. Secondly, do you believe that God can change the course of your life? He can. Do you believe that, thirdly, God can enable you to do something significant with your life? We better believe it. God doesn't want us to live a mediocre, half-hearted, in-between life. The double-minded man is unstable and will not be blessed. Never be double-minded. Oh, well, yeah, maybe. No, maybe not. Maybe I can pray. No, no. I'll pray the Spirit, but oh, hang on, I'll pull it back. No. Let's go for it. He's our Heavenly Father. He wants to bless us as a congregation. He wants to anoint us for the equipping of going out. This is half-time. This is half-time in a match. The real stuff happens out there. This is a time for equipping so that we can be fired up and play the game. I'm excited for what God can do in your, in your life. Really am. 
I see one or two faces that are smiling and are jumping up and down. And I see some are very full of frowns. And, and I'm saying, God, take away the frowns. Take away the unbelief. Come and, and anoint us. I believe that God wants to do something significant in our lives. But I'm going to end there. And, um, and I'm going to pray for you. Um, let's stand. I want to pray for you if you're in pain. And um, it's not your own doing. You don't know how to. You're being crushed. Um, I believe that God wants you to live a, a joyful, God-honoring life. And I want to pray for any who do not know Jesus as Savior, that you would come to know this Christ today. Father, thank you for this prayer. And thank you that it can be our prayer that we would bring glory and honor to your name as individuals, that we can bring glory and honor to your name as a church. You've put us in this place to be a wonderful lighthouse, to be a wonderful witness. Help us not to be on the back foot. Help us to be always going forwards, trusting, believing, hoping, praying, living obedient lives. Because that's what that word says. As we live obedient lives, hearts that are responsive to Jesus, we know that you will hear our hearts cry. I pray for the, any who have had difficulties from way back. I pray for healing for them in the name of Jesus. From childhood maybe, or teenage years. Come and minister to them, Father. Bring them your grace. Bring them your strength. May they encounter Jesus in a new way. The word of God will come alive in a new way. And we pray that this church's witness will be a wonderful witness into this neighborhood and even further afield. Pray that you anoint the preaching of your word in this place week by week. Come, Lord. Come, we pray. And if there's anyone who doesn't know Jesus as Savior, I would encourage you to come and speak to us after the, the service today that we can introduce to, to Jesus. I said to, 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 to God, okay, you're going to prove yourself to me. I don't really believe in you. And he did just that. He proved himself to me. He took away my sin and my shame and my guilt. My parents were, were amazed. In fact, they thought I'd flip my lid. Wouldn't be seen dead in church. Now I wanted to go every day to church. And they, but they saw the change. It can change your life. Thank you, God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for ministering to us today. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.